Um, guys, I just did my scores and I'm feeling very excited about the books uh, that I've got on this list. Did you like you liked comics this week? Good. Wow. Cool. Yeah, and I'm glad you're excited too because I'm. Oh, I'm not. Excited. I'm not. I don't. I don't. <laughs> Surprised you didn't read the Batman Annual, Jeff. It's got Grant Morrison all over it. I it's been so good. Took one home to read, and then I can't get past Ghost Maker or whatever his name is. Toast Maker. <clears throat> Ooh, I like toast. Except for AJ Styles. Oh, he's so boring. Well, you guys got to talk shit on toast. I like toast, Django. Clearly not if you're using it as an insult. Clearly not if you're using it as an insult. <laughs> See? <laughs> The Comics Place presents a perfectly acceptable comic podcast, episode 271. That's right. We're still here. Are you, are you there? Do you do you hear us or see us? Doesn't matter. We're going to do it either way. Uh, it's a comic book podcast that we do every week because we run a comic shop together. And then we read a bunch of comics and we share them with each other. We engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the comics that we read, the shop that we run, or the comings and goings of our life. I am always... I'm your MC for the evening, Jeffrey Figley. MC figs a lot. I am your I DJ for the evening, Django. Oh, that worked out really well. Because <laughs> because your name starts with DJ and I said MC. That's very good. Uh, and we got somebody on the ones and twos too. I don't know what that means. I'm I'm Roman. I'm just the craft services guy. Oh, you, you, you need a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah one cream two sugars that's the ones and twos. i wanted an apple cheese danish and this is clearly just a cheese danish uh, well django got the apple cheese danish yeah fucking story of my life <laughs> love apples he does he does <laughs> hey we're going to talk about a number of comic books this week uh i'm going to give you a rundown of them but they're subject to change the order because every once in a while we get a hair in roman's breast and we have to pluck it a wild hair oh and um this week, we're going to be talking about The Closet, number one, Justice League, Road to Dark Crisis, number one. We're going to be talking about New Think, number one, Action Comics Annual, The Failings, number one, and uh, Only right our Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, number eight. And then some buckshots that'll happen at various times throughout the evening. Um, I won't have heartburn by the end, I can almost guarantee you. But as you got some dad right candy? Yeah, no, I don't. Um, but uh, I'm going to kick this thing off with an email from our good friend, William William Elmer. And we've even got a fun game from our friend Augustus Lowell that we're going to do uh, later on. So uh, get ready for it. But everyone, hello and happy episode 271. Over the last week and a half, I've been working my way through the extra thick Thor by Jason Aaron Omnibus. Somewhere in the middle of the book, I encountered an issue written not by Jason Aaron, but by CM Punk, the wrestler. The issue was very okay at best, and that's maybe being generous, but it did get me wondering, what is the best comic or comic run that you have read from a celebrity guest author that doesn't normally write comics? Hugs and kisses, Will. P.S. Hope you had a great birthday, Justin Prowse, and thanks for the donut. Happy birthday, Justin Prowse. We Happy love birthday, you. Happy birthday, Justin Prowse. We love you. And we got to hang out with you on Wednesday, and it was wonderful. And your wife made the most wonderful gift bags that Django and I then uh, ate while we went and saw Bob Dylan that evening. You know, my favorite part of the gift bag was Jeff eating it in the dark, and he tore open one of the little candy packages and put it in his mouth, only to find out that it was a super compressed washcloth and not yeah, actually a, a candy. It was a facial mask. Um, I wonder if anybody else did that. Let I us hope so. It was I great. hope so, too. <laughs> Do you guys have any comics that jump to mind written by celebrity guest folk? Keep in mind, the Ralph Macchio of comics is not the Ralph Macchio of Karate Kid. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Man, I can't really think of any comics written by guest, like guest comics written by other people. I, I gotta admit, I love that run of Black Panther that was written by Hulk Hogan. That didn't happen. 
No, I'm kidding. That couldn't have happened. No, no way. He wrote, he wrote the Hulk. Um, um, actually, speaking of Hulk, that there was some issues of the Hulk that uh, Harlan Ellison wrote um, back in the 70s, I think. That I think it was only one or I think it was two issues, maybe three. And the first one, I, the most famous one was called um, The Hulk That Screams Love at the Heart of the Atom or something because it was about Jarella. That was really good. Okay. Hmm. He, might, he might have done some av- a couple of Avengers issues too, actually, now I think about it. Um, I'll tell you that, um, I mean, you know, low-bearing fruit, uh, Umbrella Academy is great. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Because that's something that seemed like a vanity project to me when I approached it and then read it. And it's like really, really phenomenal. Vanity project just sort of like somebody been like, mm-hmm. I'm famous so I can do this. But the more I learn about Gerard Way, the more I know that that's hardly it and uh comics are have been his would, thing forever would like to be a comic writer you know i didn't think i when i when kevin smith first started writing comics mm-hmm. i thought that that was kind of a similar thing but yeah it makes sense that he would love writing comics but mm-hmm. those those first couple of batman stories that he wrote felt like a movie guy doing comics i will say that the one that immediately came to mind for me though was that uh there is an amazing spider-man issue called the short halloween that is written by bill Hader and seth myers that n- uh neil had sold me at the comic shop before i started working there <laughs> and we we're coming in on that weekend and he's like oh you got to get this and it was in a box of comics that was stolen from me so i'd love to get it oh. back um oh, but bill Hader, one of my favorite people of all time now um but that was very good yeah you get like single issues like Patton oswald has been involved in comics and i've enjoyed those when they've come around the McElroys a- did those journey into mystery comics oh yeah i like guy, that. guy ritchie did the the, the the gamekeeper for Virgin Comics way back when. Every part of that bummed me out. That's what <laughs> you just said. Um, um, who was it, Jeff? You saying that about um, Gerard Way made me think of. Um, did, is he the one that did Doom Patrol when it came back and yeah. young young animals? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that was that was a good run. I thought you said Chard Way, and I like that name a lot. Chard I like Way. Chard Way. Oh, God, now we're just a bunch of know-nothing idiot comic <laughs> boys making fun of Gerard Way's name. This, like, highly gorgeous, attractive, accomplished, successful at everything he does. And here we are teasing his name. Wasn't successful at like making Vanity Minky Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if there was more shadows in it, maybe it would have happened. Maybe. Thanks for your email, as always, William. Hey, everyone, we're giving uh, Andrew Carlson the week off. He's going on a little vacation, so he won't be editing the podcast this week, which means you're stuck with me. But I do uh, want to say thank you to Andrew, as always, for taking care of that business for us. When you are in town and you're here with us in spirit, let's get into issue number one, guys. The Closet, number one, written <clears throat> by James Tynan, number one, the fourth, rather. Art by Gavin <laughs> Fullerton. James Tynan the Fourth has got a new horror book out from Image. I think this is his Substack book. Is that right? I think this is the physical printing of his Substack. I could. Oh, be wrong. I would believe that. I don't think it really says anywhere though, does it? No. But there's a bunch of ads for like his other kind of other things in the back of it. Yeah, I, I would believe that. Yeah. Yeah, this guy. This guy likes doing horror, and sometimes I like it when he does horror. Um, I, I kind of like the setup here and I kind of like the art, but also the art wasn't super clear in a couple places and it took like six pages for me to figure out where the closet went. Well, it doesn't go anywhere. Django. Yeah. It disappears. It's, it's a small little door. What do you mean? It disappears. <laughs> See, that's what I'm fucking talking about. So the story follows this guy who's moving his family to uh, oh. a new town. There's two boxes that this closet exists between. Then there's shots of the wall later on of just those two boxes without a door there. Yeah. 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 I didn't realize that either. Yeah, because the alien's just going to follow the kid wherever he goes. So there's an alien and a kid, too. Uh, Did you guys think that this dad character was maybe the dumbest man on the planet? I mean, yeah. And it was written to kind of obviously be that, right? Like... I don't know. I, I I almost almost like well done, James, because that guy like just from the first conversation you hear with him, you're like, this guy is the super fallible piece of shit character. But you're not 
you're not doing it in any like super insulting way. You just gleam it from the fact that he's like, yeah, I got to get out of this bar and got to go do this thing. I usually get in trouble. I'll take one more beer and then, then I got to go. It's like, all right, just one more. And then I'm out of here. And you're just sort of like, yeah. oh, you keep fucking like your, your actions are clearly doing more exposition for this character than expositional time was spent describing him. So, but yeah, also pretty transparently just like, all right, you're the, the unlikable dumb dad. But he was out buying packing tape for his family and he bought painter's tape instead. Like, is this guy new to earth? Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. tells his kid, he, he fills up a glass of water in front of his kid and then tells him it's unicorn piss. And the kid's like, no, I watched you take that out of the tap. Come on, dude. We've got a, we got a couple of parents. They're moving away from this town and they got a kid and the kid's scared of the closet because things are in it. And, uh, you know, the parents don't believe him. And then the thing comes out of the closet. Uh, you know, pretty straightforward. That being said, I think what I liked about it is I did really like the art. Like, even though mm -hmm. you're right, there wasn't a confusing amount there because I clearly missed that part. But I did like um, just the atmosphere of it. It has, you know, it reminded me of the art in Outcast by Paul Azaceta, like heavy mm -hmm. shadows and stark colors and kind of flat. Um, none of it was poorly done. I don't think, although that bit of storytelling you pointed out does. That's a hard bit of storytelling. Yeah, especially with the amount of like shadow, like they they increase the amount of paneling that's going on and the later it goes and there's sort of a lot of um, staring at walls and doors. Mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, yeah, I, I liked it is I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that yeah, was pretty good. Yeah, I did too. I really, I really liked that end sequence, how the... And the way I read it is the aliens going ahead to the house they're moving to, and the kids just like, "Oh fuck!" Yeah. <laughs> Do you yeah, think uh, you think Jimmy T watched Monsters Inc. and then wrote this? Yeah, I think he watches that a lot, uh, based on his writing. Um, I, yeah, it's. I, I thought it was also really well paced. You know, I got through it quickly. It told me a lot of what I wanted to know, and it gave me the feelings that I was supposed to have. But you know, the older I get, I like when they can do that in a way that doesn't feel like I'm wasting my time to do it. Um, yeah. And Jimmy T, our friend, Will Elmer, who wrote the email, um, said it very well, uh, which is he, he doesn't know if he doesn't like Jimmy T or if he's still just bitter about the Batman run stuff that happened <laughs> yeah. with Tom King. And I'm with him. I don't know either, but I do, I do say that his horror stuff when it's not, or even just his non mainstream stuff, his non Marvel DC yeah. stuff in general is pretty good and pretty interesting. And, and I, I really can't uh, shame him at all for any of that stuff. It's not always my taste, but I do think it's always pretty good. Roman, what'd you like about this or did you have any complaints about it? I really like the art and I really like um, the dialogue. I mean, I, I like the fact that. Sorry, did you say you didn't really like the art or you did like the art? I do like the art. Okay. Um, and the coloring. I like the fact that in the bar are the dad um the the shading on his glasses is different all the time it goes from green to purple and you know back mm. and forth and i like that um but the dialogue i really like that the fact that the bartender and the mom are both just seemingly naturally better parents and deeper thinkers than the dad whatever his name is it's also funny that reading Fall. this the uh oh. the the dad looks just like an ex-girlfriend of mine's, one of her roommates. So throughout the issue, I was like, God, is <laughs> I know this guy, but you know, of course I don't. Or do you? Or do dun, dun, you? Dun, dun. I, I, I mean, it's, yeah. Check I mean, your it's, closet. Yeah, it's uncanny. I mean, this guy used to know, I mean, he could be the, the he could have been the model for this character hmm. physically. I know uh, somebody on this podcast who's done a little male modeling in their time. Jago. No. Uh, okay, so what is it? What are your scores for this one? The closet. I don't know. Django, maybe I don't know. Yeah. Did you you were never a model for art classes though? That I know of, actually. Sorry, not to put you in a closet. Uh I give it a seven. Good enough. I'll read the next one. Roman, where were you? I gave it a nine. Because I, I gave it a, like the scary story. I gave it an 8.5, so closer to Roman's score. I, I liked the story. And again, so many times a thing that turns me off of Gene's James Jimmy TIV's books are that uh there it's just a lot of words to try and get to what you want, right? With the character stuff. And I do think that they're getting better at like doing character work without needing to explain it all. You know, still going back to like that detective comics run and stuff. So 8.5 
for me, a book that I think that we will all have some strong feelings about justice league road to dark crisis. Number one, it's a jam book. I, I didn't, you get a whole like several page story at the beginning here. And then it ends and you get a like a credit page and you're like, Oh, okay. This is like six or five short stories. I should have known that. I don't know why I thought this was all going to be like one singular story leading us up to dark crisis. Foolish me. I thought it was going to be one story too. Yeah. Because all the other, you know, Justice League things lately that are going to the dark crisis have been one story issues. I just need, I, what, I, so Django, you had some really great points. You texted me like three (laughs) images and you're just like, I can't do, I can't do this. Like, my mom always told me, don't say anything if you can't say anything nice. But my mom did too. I'm going to make an exception here. There's some of the worst editing I've seen in a book here where word balloons don't touch the top of the panel and, a, a whole page that just isn't like the file isn't linked. So it's a hundred percent pixel and it's just, Oh yeah. Also I was not engaged by really any of it. I didn't and like it makes sense that you wouldn't necessarily like the first story because 90 seconds go. Oh, I read last week's the fourth man that wrapped up in a way that I did not expect, uh, which is pretty uncommon for a whodunit kind of murder mystery. And the way that they lay it out was really interesting. I also read, we have Demons number three. Super enjoyed that. Although I'm a little bit tired of uh, where they tell you exactly what's gonna happen at the end and then they get really clever and they're like, oh, well, technically it did totally happen. So you can't be mad at me, but I'm still kind of mad at you. Um, I also read Little Monsters number four. Um, And that one, just keeps getting better and better. The character Romy is cool. The two little twins are cool. There's an awesome cliffhanger here. Um, and I really like the way that he's doing the art and using the halftones for the art. Um, I also read the Justice League Road to Darkness and I'm gonna use the rest of my time to shit on that. Um, let me just take my belt off here and drop my pants down in my With legs. With my remaining 22 seconds. <laughs> just kind of kind of hang on i gotta i gotta poop on it because uh it deserved it um hey mom (laughs) (laughs) oh jeff you know i can't poop when i'm talking to you about your mom on the phone (laughs) yeah no sorry jango's just wasting my time on a podcast no it's cool i'll call you back no it's (laughs) cosmic Jen, what were your scores on those? And then we'll get back into your estimation of uh, the road to dark crisis in a more in-depth manner. I can't really look at that one because it's covered in poo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I give the fourth man a nine for the issue and an eight for the series. I give uh, We Have Demons uh, number three. I give that an eight and an eight for the book in the series. And Little Monsters, eight and a half. Good goddamn comic. I need to catch up with that. I think I... I don't think I've read past two. I'm not sure why. Uh, the halftone thing is funny, everyone. We went and saw Bob Dylan, like I mentioned, and we went to a mall to use the bathroom and get some food. And there was a giant wall-sized, like, Lichtenstein picture or whatever. <laughs> and Django and I, like, it was done, had all these half dots, but it was way blown up. And we, like, had this, we, like, talked about them up there. And then we went across the mall to look at it. And um, <laughs> it is a bit that has not died um from the years and years of us so anyway that that does exist roman did you like road to dark crisis no um it's actually been i guess i guess uh joshua williamson's justice league this has been my most unliked justice league stuff and it's what i know these stories were different people but i think he did yeah, he only one. wrote the first one yeah 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 but no and i was <clears> expecting <throat> part of that is i was expecting a one whole story issue but none of the stories grabbed me in this. In fact, now I can't even remember what each of the stories were. The Pariah one was interesting. I know that we both talked about that. Yeah, I do. That was that was the best one. And I and I'm. It's cool to see Pariah back because you know he only shows up when things are really going to go to hell. And there's the Stephanie Phillips spoiler, like you know uh, Stephanie Brown issue or bit. I liked that because yeah. I just like seeing Stephanie Brown. I did not think this was a good comic but to me it reminded me of reading late 80s early 90s comics or like i guess early Mm. 90s comics like the dan jurgens art like i i laughed out loud several times reading this comic (laughs) not because it was funny but because 
it was just like it was just like reading a comic from another time. And I, I don't I'm not saying that's like a good thing. It's probably a bad thing. But like I did love seeing like Superman and Nightwing drawn by Dan Jurgens with like mullets and shit and like just <laughs> looking like they've never looked like that. They're not supposed to look like that. The Flash stuff was not great. I skipped the Green Lantern one entirely. I did like the Pariah one in amount and the art was good. And then the Stephanie Phillips one had like a really great page of like flashback art that I liked. But yeah, this Road to Dark Crisis, like the Justice League died forever ago. The week Django left. So that was a while ago. Yeah. Um, and still, we just keep getting things that are like to be continued in Dark Crisis number one. Like Shadow War Omega had a, a thing that was like to be continued yeah. in that. And I was like, okay, like what is that story? There's not really, there, like we keep seeing like things are going to get followed up in it but I don't feel like we're getting the vibe of what is happening. Like there's just a great darkness that's using pariah to do it. Like it um, is not the only Joshua Williamson book I read this week. I don't think. And, and it's just so his career is so weird, man. Like (laughs) it is not very good comicking. Oh yeah. Shadow War Omega was the other one. So yeah, like they're, it's just so by the numbers in so many different ways, you know, um, the dialogue is bad and cheesy and kind of cringy. Like Shadow War Omega had this like weird father son stuff between Batman and Robin. You're like, okay, like this event was a good justification to reunite those two because right. they've been dealing with this. Robin had killed people stuff, but it was just like, okay, you, you laid the structure for that event to happen and it needed to, and it was well thought out, but all of the interactions between the people are like embarrassing to read. I, I don't know. So Anyway, it's hard for me to not grade this cover, this book without thinking too much about the Chris Burnham cover as well, which is amazing. So I, I wish that I had opened the book before I shit in it because I really like this cover. Yeah. So you pooped all over the Burnham cover. Yeah, I did it wrong. Yeah. I'm going to change my ways. Yeah. But you always got to bring an A cover <laughs> home for a book that's written by Joshua Williamson. So you can poop on that one and then keep the variant if it's good. So you know what to expect. I would be happy and not miss it at all if a hero saved another hero in peril. And the one who got saved never said, oh, I totally had him. Like, yeah. put your ego back in your pants, dude. Yeah. Give your balls a tug. Too. Yeah. Put it all back in your... I was going to give it an eight, but I'm going to give it a seven. I'm going to give it a five. And I'm also going to keep reading the Dark Crisis stuff because I hope that I like it more than I like this one. This seven, one just felt like... Five and... File stories. Yeah. And I gave it a five. Nice. You optimistic motherfucker, Jeff. Um, Django, so I think just you and I read New Think number one. Yeah. And weirdly, I don't think that it's uh, a one-shot, is it? No, it is an ongoing, although I seem <clears throat> sure that it was a one-shot, but there is a little write-up from him on the back, very small, and then some pages from the next issue that look totally unrelated. So I'm not sure if it's like I think it's one just an shots. anthology. Yeah, yeah. An anthology of one-shots. Um, so this is Greg Hurwitz and Mike Diodato with Lee Luridge on colors. And it basically just gives us, gives us a description of the rise of computer screens and TV screens and phone screens through the lens of screens being an invading force and propagating themselves and taking over our lives, which not super, uh, inventive in my mind but i really like the art and i thought that the presentation and the pacing of it was good uh with with the different artist or or a less deft writer i would probably have dropped off about six pages in yeah greg hurwitz wrote that penguin mini series that i really really love yep um, knighted which is pretty good so far oh right he's doing that yeah like pride and prejudice or not no it's like pain and prejudice i think is that mini series yeah um yeah, Django, I think I mostly agree with you. I think the Diodato art was pretty great for whatever, like so much of what he does does seem like he just takes photos and then puts like a Photoshop effect on it or whatever. Yep. But it works really well and it actually doesn't ever feel so much like it is what it is. Like it, it, it has the illusion of being comic book art pretty effectively, I think. I think the writing was pretty deft. I think it is interesting to look at the idea of technology or computers integrating with us 
from the viewpoint of like an alien species or any mm-hmm. living idea or a bacteria where it's like sole thing is to reproduce and spread its effect. Like that's what like bacteria yeah. is or virology. And I think that like, it was really interesting to look at screens from that lens because he does it pretty well, but it's a whole issue of it. it starts to get a little up its own, but it's like, okay, cool. Like you, you, this is a good comparison to draw and it's an interesting one, but I don't think it's quite as clever as you think it is. Yeah. Uh, not you, Django, him. So, yeah. well, yeah, I think it was an interesting idea and totally worth it. I'm glad that there's another issue that seems to be unrelated to this one mm-hmm. and has a different artist because the one page of art does look good. Um, but, you know, I also, I do think there are people who probably maybe read this and were like, oh, whoa, that's a really cool way to think about this stuff. You know, like yeah. people who maybe the idea of sort of studying the proliferation of ideas or viruses or, you know, species, because uh, they did evolve this way, but it's almost because they're the byproduct of humans, which evolved that way. So, yeah. Yeah. But I think that's the point is to think of it as in the other direction. Right. Um, and that's, that's pretty cool. Um, I like, I like assigning uh, evil intent to screens. I think that's pretty cool because there is a, an amount of evil intent uh for the humans that make the things that we consume on the screens um but this this puts it all in the screens which i think is kind of cool yeah and i i think it's beneficial for pretty much all people to try and think about try to do the thought exercise of looking at the spread of ideas in a slightly different way than it's immediately presented to you because like i you know that's a very morrisonian concept to me was sort of like if ideas are living things, the spread of ideas, like people sharing them, like the way that ideas live follows the way living things live. Um, Word is a virus. Exactly. Word is a virus. Erotic. Can you tell me, Jeffrey? See, it made Roman do that. Fucking damn it. You're a hypnotist. (laughs) Yeah. Can you tell me if you've read an AWA book that wasn't pretty good? Because I feel like almost every AWA book that I've picked up has been good and I haven't read them all, but everything that interested me was pretty solid. I would say they've been mostly pretty good and I can't think of any that have made me read more than two issues. Except for Crimson Cage. Yeah, the Crimson Cage. And then there was like Not All Robots, which was people really liked that one. Yep. Like, you know, if you can get, get into it because it's a Mark Russell thing. Uh, Django, what did you give this one? I'm going to give it a seven and a half. I gave it a 7.0. Yeah. yeah. Right yeah. in the pocket, buddy. Right in the yeah. pocket. Uh, <laughs> you boys read a book this week that I didn't get a chance to read. In fact, oh. I went back today, picked up a handful of books, but they didn't have this one around at our fair comic shop because someone doesn't order enough things. Um, Action Comics Annual with a Frank Avia cover. How'd it do? it do good. Uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson and Cy Spurrier wrote it and uh, Dale Eaglesham and Ian Churchill with our buddy Lee Luridge on colors. It basically tells the story of a young Superman being raised by his parents and dealing with a bully and, and some grown up stuff. Uh, and then alternating that with a kid on Mongols planet, which is just all about being shitty and, and looking out for yourself, which is uh, juxtaposed with uh, Clark's parents, mostly his mom teaching him to just be good and, and play nice with people and be a cool guy. Um, I th- I thought this book was amazing, Roman. Yeah, I was really impressed. I, um, great story, the dialogue, the art, everything was great. Plus, it added a new thing to uh, Martha Kent's backstory. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think it's ever mentioned before that she had she dealt with cancer when Clark was a kid. Yeah, and that was really yeah. touching. Probably from kryptonite exposure. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I thought the art in this was spectacular uh, on on both stories, but especially the Clark one. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely the stronger of the two, I thought. Just really nice line weight and uh, expressions, like a kid who looks like a kid instead of some weird adult who's been half-sized, like photoshopped out. Yeah, yeah, weird pixelated hair. And the, just the how mean and self-serving the kid on mongols planet is supposed to be was uh 
like it's it it was kind of sad to watch a kid raised like that yeah yeah and it was really nice it's not what i expected of the issue i didn't expect that juxtaposition of of you know clark being a kid and this this mongol junior being a kid just seeing the, the, the drastic difference in their cultures and mm -hmm. ways of dealing with trauma <laughs> yeah and it's always fun when uh little clark has to pretend that he's weak and yeah. get hit hit and <laughs> pretend to be hurt and i really like the bit where he tries to cut his hair but it's super strong and he has to, he, like he takes out a chainsaw <laughs> and it still doesn't work um yeah just just pretty good storytelling all around yeah yeah it really was and that was a good bit because you know because of course then he's got to like tell his tell pa well explain what happened to all his tools yeah <laughs> well uh if you were to give it a number from one to ten roman I, I gave it an eight originally i go an 8.5 at least Ooh, yeah. i think i'm gonna give it a nine i think it's i think it's the best comic i read this week it's definitely one of the best mongol stories i read outside you know outside of alan moore's mongol stories yeah we just got the first appearance of mongol in the store this week and nice. reading this i realized that uh there's a million mongols so do we like is this the first appearance of mongol 46 or something <laughs> I don't know because that was all retroactive. Did he first appear in <clears throat> DC Comics Presents? Yeah, like number twenty-seven or something like that. Thirty-two. Was that a, there. was that one of the Alan Moore stories? No idea. Oh, no idea. But yeah, originally it was just one dude. They added all this. Uh, every child in the Mongol line is named Mongol, so it's just and, kind of a title. Yeah, and they have to kill their father usually. <laughs> it makes me want to read the story that's going on in Action Comics. Because uh, that was probably the best thing that was coming out of Future State. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I yeah, it's the same creative team. Yeah, and that's been pretty good. I've been I've been following that. Yeah, Roman, do you want to play a game? Sure. Let's do Let's do Betrayal at House on the Hill. Okay. Mm, okay. We'll do that mm. another time. I've got I got the hot game. card. Oh, he's got the haunt card. That usually takes a while to be triggered, but you know what? Roman's a yep. betrayer. Oh, I'm Cthulhu. You're all dead. The end. Oh, that's Thanks, a different game. Thanks, folks. Thanks for joining in. That was a fun game <laughs> with Roman. No, this is a game that uh, our friend Augustus Lowell, a uh, recent staple of the comic shop, has had uh, he, he kicking around his brain. I love the idea. I'm going to ask you some questions, and you are going to tell me if it's a truth or a trap. So it says, hey, Jeff and co dot 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 let if Colette is there. If not, this joke is ruined. Below, <laughs> That's a pretty good one, Augustus. Below, I have listed real comic storylines along with fake comic storylines that have been made up. And you must choose whether it is a truth or a trap for each of them. Feel free to keep <clears throat> score or chat it out as a team. Disclaimer, I have not read anything and I might think of premises that have already occurred. So <laughs> bonus points if you can prove me wrong. So I have three questions. And you two will be on a team to tell us if it happened or if it's a fiction. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Roman, are you ready for this? Sure. Okay. Number one, Mr. Freeze once ran an ice cream business as a front for his evil doing ways. Unfortunately for our frosty friend, Batman busted the batches and Mr. Freeze's sinister Sundays no longer grace the streets of Gotham. I think I remember reading that one. Yeah. I'm going to say, I feel like it might've even been, was it in a, uh... Did Mark Russell have something to do with that? Has he written enough Batman for that to happen in one of his books? So number one, the two of you agree is a truth. I, I think it's a truth. I think it's a Silver Age goofy story. Okay. Number two, while under control of the Shadow King, Storm is tricked into destroying all of Africa. <laughs> I'm going to defer to my X-Man Roman. Wow. Um, I don't know. I'm going to say it's a trap. I mean, I, I don't remember any references to Africa being destroyed. Black We're going to do traps for that one? I agree. Yeah, unless it was a what-if story or something. Okay. I don't have any recollection of that either. Number three. Kitty Pride phased a massive alien bullet through planet Earth, saving us all, especially the monkeys in the rainforest. That's that true. sounds real. 
Yeah, that's true. That was Joss Whedon's run. Okay. Truth. All right. Okay. I'll stop there for today since I don't want to take up the whole show, but let me know what you think. Um, Okay. I really like this game because fucking comics are crazy. (laughs) All right. Number one, you said was a truth. It is in fact a trap. Although in the Batman and Robin movie, Mr. Freeze's hideout was an abandoned ice cream factory. Okay. All right. Oh, for one now. (laughs) But again, extra points if you can prove him wrong, because that sounds like a Mark Russell thing. Number two, while under control of the Shadow King storm is tricked into destroying Africa, this is false. Although for years I thought this was real, but apparently the X Men managed to stop her before she actually destroyed Africa. I think I heard about it on YouTube and my brain morphed it over the years. But the Shadow King, I can't remember. I was in there with Augustus at the time, and like they somehow convinced her that she had destroyed Africa. So there was like a whole <laughs> no. storyline where like she had been convinced that she did do it. Dang. All right. Number three, Kitty phased the alien. We know that one's true. True that happened in the pages of Astonishing X-Men. Thanks, Brayden. Um, a great one. So you guys were two for three there. Not bad. What the hell am I remembering with an ice cream truck and bad guy stuff? And it wasn't Ice Cream Man. Yeah, I was just going to say Ice Cream ice Man. Cream Man. No, that was a Scooby-Doo episode. Yeah, Junkie. Huh. Weird. Um, I will play that game anytime. And if we have a special guest yeah, on to read it, cool. I will even be a part of the game. I love it. Okay. Okay. Guys, I don't want to take a dump on anything. It's kind of like, fun. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, Hi, Jeff's mom. Hey, Jeff's mom. Do you like the Bob Dylan show, mom? Um, I, it's a weird week of comics we have here, right? Like, yes. this is a week, like, on top of it being a tiny week of comics, like, we had one of our, one of the three main distributors of ours, the books weren't here on Tuesday, so we did everything else Tuesday, and then Wednesday, we did those ones. Um, but, like, when that Diamond stuff wasn't here, we had, like, one shelf of books, and then we barely had two shelves of books when Diamond did show up. So, small week of books and nothing was like a huge profile book like it was annuals it was road to events it was some image books um very very bizarre but one book that came out this week so yeah we're not trying to poop on anything but like we're finding ways to keep ourselves busy right now for sure um the phalanx by jonathan luna from image comics this is a one shot it says underneath the image icon but it seems like it's a pitch for a series he wants to do Mm-hmm. Django, did you read the uh, intro page thing? Yeah, just about how much he loved those early image books. And so this is basically just him trying to write a love letter to those early 90s image books. Yeah, he messed up by making it pretty good, I think. Yeah, he messed up by making it feel like one of those 90s image books, which um, aren't super good. And it, this is maybe better than many of. Dude, he he fit an entire fairly complex world setup, superhero teams, time travel thing in like two more pages than the first issue of Youngblood took. It's just like, yeah, but also standing on the shoulders of those giants because it's like, okay, cool. That's an element from Wildcats and that's an element from Wildstorm and that's an element from like it's Stormfront. Yeah, Girl Hulk. It's very, uh, but yeah, also not bad. I'm not shitting on it. There yeah. is there's a girl who's got a very thick Scottish accent, and her power is that she turns into like a fleshy Hulk character, but they can never get her costume right. So she's just got like giant pecs. Like they're not pecs, they're not breasts, they're just large muscles. And her name is Loch Ness. Yeah, the monster. And she's. I, Django, would you read more of this if it, there was another issue? Yeah. I think I would, too. I think I, think I, would. I would, too. I think I would probably like this a little bit more if it was 150% as many pages and on really rough paper stock, like mullet cop, kind of. Because hmm. it, it feels like that that sort of indie comic to me. I do agree. I am I am impressed with just the amount that they fit into this. It, mm-hmm. Like it is a full one shot with characters and a world and powers and a threat and resolution. Fights. Yeah. And art that's pretty good. Like the Lunas are, you know, the Luna bros, even though they've had a huge falling out. I can't remember which one is which, but maybe one's like super abusive. And I don't really know. Family relationships are weird. But um, this one, 
it's pretty it's it's pretty good and they write the meta sort of like it's somebody from 2022 going back to 1992 so there's this whole sort of you know it's a takes place in the era when those image comics did take place and it's all kind of aping that image stuff but uh in a good way i mean i don't have a huge amount to say about it outside of just being kind of impressed about a random one i mean i read a lot of books this week that i wouldn't have normally read because it was such a small week so yeah this one did supply surprise me yeah, I was I was on board, and I think it's uh, definitely worth worth reading. Whether like whether you're a fan of weird time travel or '90s image books, like I would say I would say one of the better books that came out this week. And it's like a whole team of like females for the most part, except mm-hmm. this one like robot guy character. Like it's it's like alt '90s in that it's not all buff dudes; it's like mostly buff women. So that's cool. Yep. yep. Yeah, the Lunas have such an interesting art style. Like, I like it, but it's never like super impressive. It's all it's like super competent, but not, um, I don't know, super flashy in any way. But not coolly, not flashy like a Darwin Cook or something. It always feels a little bit to me. Well, not always because this this one doesn't feel like that so much. But usually there are feels like paper dolls almost, kind of like uh, yeah, like weird static faces. Yeah, and like, oh, you just rotated that arm on the axis to to make that movement. In, uh, like, but this this one's a little sketchier. Like this feels like Liefeld inked that super smoothie way that that, that we've seen them draw before. And I'm looking on the Wikipedia. Yeah. This this says uh, the Luna Brothers. It says that uh, the Lunas have expressed a preference for working on their own creations. That isn't nearly as combative as it sounds in all the write-ups i've seen yeah and like the interviews with them like they yeah there's like an abusive relationship going on i don't know which one is which though sadly uh i would give this uh i can't give this an eight so i'm gonna give it a seven and a half but it probably deserves an eight i gave it a seven because i'm trying to not do desis right now it's just a thing i'm doing oh yeah um i'm trying to not drink beer but i'm drinking a beer right now well i'm trying to not give roman 90 seconds for a buckshot except for i'm gonna right now roman go Oh boy. Um, Firepower number 21. Uh, another great issue of this. We're starting to, Master Ping shows up. So we're starting to get some of these masters that were mentioned in the original graphic novel before he got to whatever that place was where he trained with the other master non, we know. Parbat. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, there's also a great, there's a dragon to this, and there's a great two page spread where the dragon crashes into the ocean, taking out these two warships, and the sound effect is scrock a badoosh. And it's just awesome. Um, Roman, I don't want to hurt your feelings or interrupt you, but Jeff, you got a minute and 30 seconds. Go. Okay, I'll pause Roman's time. He'll have 48 <laughs> seconds when I'm done. Uh, I also read Firepower number 21. <laughs> And really enjoyed the dragon stuff. I may have missed an issue before this or like two before this. I'm not sure. It stressed me out for a moment. And then I was like, it's firepower. This is non-stressful comic book reading. This is the fun comic book reading. It's quick. It's gorgeous. The facial acting is incredible. Like the stuff with his wife that he does in this, like the way her facial expressions change through conversations on the phone and stuff. Really, really amazing. Um, I, I just love this book. Love it. Uh, even when I feel like maybe I've missed something. And then that sound effect totally stood out to me because Chris Somney is totally awesome. And there's another point, Roman, where like somebody gets thrown into a wall and like they, he, he does the thing oh. where he <laughs> changes the sound effects into the explosion, which I love that. Yeah. Um, I read X-Men. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I read X-Men 92 number two. Um, I love this series. It, I loved House of X and Powers of 10, and they are retelling that entire story from the characters of the 90s X-Men show. It's so good. It's so well done. The covers are aping those covers. The way that they're able to like take those story beats and repeat them, super, super interesting. Uh, really, really well done. If you watched that show, awesome. If you liked House of X and you're kind of bummed out where the X-Men are right now, you should go for that one because it's awesome. I also read Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 38 because it's a light week. Why not just dip into a thing you weren't reading? And the art in this is not very good, but I do like the story. Roman was totally right. Like clones, alternate reality clones, bad guys, Ganky's old. It's crazy. Um, I gave uh, Firepower a nine. I gave X-Men 92 number two a nine. And I gave Miles Morales a six. Roman, you've got 48 seconds left. Go. Oh, my gosh. Um, Ghost Rider number three or 246 in legacy numbering. This is just, it's a cool Ghost Rider series because it's very super heavily like horror oriented. 
um, modern horror oriented, and that's fun. Uh, King Conan, Not like number... Victorian horror oriented. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, you know, in the seventies Ghostwriter series, it was more superhero we horror. Yeah, um, Jack the Ripper stuff. Yeah, King Conan number five, number sixty, legacy numbering. That's uh, good Conan series. You know, he's the King Conan, so he has a almost adult son, Con, who he's dealing with, and it's just showing, you know, the ways he's a good dad and the ways he's a terrible dad. <laughs> and and I'm really curious too, because Marvel's losing the rights to Conan. I think they maybe have until the end of this year or maybe a whole year left, but it's like, wow, what's that mean for Savage Avengers and all that? Um, um, uh, what else did I read, Russ? Oh, gosh. Roman, I want your scores, but then I want <clears throat> Django to do his paranoid theory about the conan right stuff because oh, okay. i also brought that up because sean was complaining about it to me and then i brought it up to Django. and he's like i know but i have a brilliant idea oh okay okay well i gave king conan an eight and i gave um what other book was i talking about firepower, firepower. gave an 8.5 and ghost rider i gave seven Django, tell us about your your conan theories because they are yeah we've heard that they're <clears> losing <throat> or the lights rights are going to lapse yeah, Marvel's letting the rights to Conan comics lapse uh, and go back to the estate of Robert E. Howard. Uh, Robert E. Howard's estate is starting their own publishing arm, and they're going to start wow. making Conan comics. But because Conan is so old and it's not owned by Disney properly, copyright has expired, although the trademark hasn't. And so what that means is that anybody can make a Conan comic they just can't put the name Conan on the cover. So kind of like uh, right now, uh, who is it? A Blaze is publishing. Um, Sumerian, yeah. Sumerian. And there's the uh, the Dynamite keeps doing uh, Warlord of Mars comics. Mm. It's a John Carter comic, but it's on the cover. It has to say Warlord of Mars. So I suspect that if Marvel is trying to save a couple bucks, they're just going to let that go and make... Conan part of the Savage Avengers and never put his name on the cover again. Savage Avengers, or it could be <clears> like, <throat> yeah, you know, ancient something. Jason Aaron's like Avengers 1000 BC could have like, they could be putting, keeping Conan in the universe, but as long as they keep his tight mm. name off the title, they could probably safe. just call it Sumerian. Yeah. Like, you know, and fuck yeah. you, Ablaze. Come yeah. at me. Or Barbarian, or they just refer to him as C. Yeah. Maybe like, they'll call him Onan the Barbarian. I love Roman, oh. or sorry, Django's, uh, <laughs> Django's conspiracy theory hat. It's never I like it's, it too. It's and never I like the, the like bad stuff. It's the good stuff. I like the Onan <laughs> idea too, because then Garth Ennis can do an Onan limited series for Marvel. It'll be great. <laughs> um, all right, you two. I have, I've fallen off of Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, which is stupid because it's one of my favorite writers and one of my favorite artists. I don't know why I have. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what's going on with it. What is this book about after issue four? We're on issue eight now. And like, wh what is this book? I, I mean, I, I think I got the premise, but like, I'm not yeah, sure I, how it's evolved. I think, and Roman, you might, you might be able to disagree with me successfully, but I think that this book has been eight issues that could be standalone issues. Like he moves from place to place and characters come in and out. And we get a little bit of information every once in a while about why he's there and what he's doing. But I don't think that you need any of that to get get the disgusted feeling that Rick Remender wants you to get from each issue. One, two, and three were pretty tight and related. But you could have yeah. read two and three, like, like you could have watched episode two without having seen episode one and you wouldn't have been totally lost. Like dude's trying to save a woman and her kid. And then you, they throw you into the next one. It's like, Dude is, a, is, is is getting out of a situation and into a new bad situation. Basically, he's he's the, the woman died at some point and he's babysitting this kid and the kid has been kidnapped. And now he in this issue, he's he goes into a house to save the kid. And the kid has probably been fed Drano. The two people who live there are tied up and all fucked up and dead. His buddy from the camp is laying on the ground with his guts hanging out. And he has a little, uh, a short fight with the antagonist from the series. And then he gets tied to a chair and fucking tortured. Like glass, glass light bulbs. Yeah. The antagonist is like 
shatters a bunch of light bulbs and then just pushes bits of them into him in different places. I want to read it because that is gorgeous violence. <clears throat> but so is the premise that he is like a hired hitman who like does jobs and kind of like the dark web. And that's how he got hired in that original kind of like three issue thing. And that's why he found that daughter and then or the kid <laughs> and the mom died. But he's now like, I think in issue four or five, we find out that he isn't really supposed to be doing this, right? Yeah, I think so. That Yeah, he, I, I forget why why he took that initial job anyway. We're there comic a, experts, guys. Yeah, there was a reason for that, but he's not really a killer. Yeah, but he's um, very lucky in, in a lot of situations and just kind of willing to do what he's got to do. Yeah, yeah. I agree, yeah. It's, it, they kind of are could be read as standalone issues even the ones that once he ends up at the camp with the kid um even though there's that through line it, you can read an issue at a time and this issue geez this is one of the most uncomfortable torture scenes i've i've seen in media <laughs> both of them like when he enacts his revenge too it's just like holy shit dude yeah i've never seen somebody killed in that way before and i've read a lot of comics with people getting raided yeah yeah, and the killer that he takes out, I thought that was such just such such a clever little bit. I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen that before either. That he um he, he just I mean it's so smart because anywhere you go, any place that's inside, there's light bulbs, and he just breaks light bulbs and uses them to torture people. <laughs> it's just awful. Well, he's he also uses the cupboards and yeah, like he, he doesn't seem to bring weapons. I guess he he brought a, a couple of things, like he brought Drano to that first one. Um, and he brings Drano to this. So he clearly likes Drano, but he doesn't bring many torture implements because every house has a corkscrew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's very resourceful. He's like he's like Jackie <clears throat> Jackie Chan of very narrow torture focused. <laughs> yeah. It's weird that we live in a world where Red Room and this are coming out. Yeah, and this issue this issue feels like Red Room, but I would say Red Room is there for the gore, and this feels like an exercise in storytelling to me. Mm -hmm. um, it's 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 disgusting, but there's something special about it. I love that Remender seems to like use each of his different series to channel a different thing that he's working through. Like Scumbag seemed like a response to like cancel culture and internet culture. Like you know, uh, Death or Glory was like this sort of family road trip thing you want to tell. This is she seems to be him dealing with his anger about certain. I mean, I guess he's kind of always dealing with his anger. Like Deadly yeah. Class is a very different thing. They're all very different, but have this sort of core of anger throughout them. But it's uh, it's just interesting to see him using art to work through that. And Andre Lima Arajo is amazing. One of the most talented artists in comics, I think. Yeah, I don't I don't know what this book would be without him. Yeah. Um, this is also probably the farthest I've made it into a remender book other than deadly class, which is saying something deadly. I would give this, God, I'd give this a nine and a half. I don't know. Whoa. It is not for everybody. The sound effects are worth it. Eight points all, all on their own. though. <laughs> yeah. I gave it, I gave it a nine and a half also. I mean, it's the art is so good. It just, I, I might even have given it a 10, except it just made me so uncomfortable, which in a way is deserving of a 10 of itself because it did what it was supposed to do. Yeah. It likes to be forced to feel things. Yep. Even squidgy things. Yeah. He's getting a little squidgy over <clears> there. <throat> squidge, squidge, squidge. 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 Um, okay. Just let's, Django, did you read Super Freak? Did you check in with our friend Ken Alberry's comic? I only read Ken's portion. I flipped through it and did not read it. Uh, it's kind of cool. A podcast about Savage Dragon exists and is a love letter to Savage Dragon. It's a community that's been around for a long time. The people who kind of run that fan community were given the carte blanche to do their own fan stories for a bunch of different alternate, like just like side characters within Savage Dragon. So one of them is written and drawn by a subscriber at our store, Ken Alberry. Um, and it was cool to just get to see a really nicely produced comic have a bunch of fan art stories in it um it did not like blow my mind but it was it felt like a very good version of what it was which was like a mm -hmm. respected fan comic so um just good good on them for that and letting that exist any any other books anyone else wants to talk about before we get the heck out of here i've done all my high scores but i feel like we're kind of running ahead i've hey. done my lowest score in a long time what was that five oh, yeah which one 
Oh, right. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Did you guys read Never Ender? Yeah. I bailed about halfway through. Uh, I, I was I kept going, but I I didn't care for it. What yeah. So what did you yeah, like Never Ender, Behemoth Comics, written and drawn by a kind of creative staple of three people that I was not familiar with. Devin Craft is the story, art, and design. The art was like just all gray. It was all gray. So it was hard to discern time frames because it jumped around a lot. But Roman, it seemed to me like they were trying to tell a relatively dense science fiction story. Yeah. And I had the feeling that, that I was hoping you could answer this for me, that there was some reference, some visual references or maybe just some character references to some classic anime or manga that I'm not familiar with like the main guy i thought is i was like is all throughout the issue i was like is his hair like adult goku's hair <laughs> there were there was bits that reminded me of dragon ball z there was bits that reminded me of kira and i actually googled the art staple of the three people and that artist was or sorry the writer or artist was given an opportunity to like uh do an art exchange program in japan so they lived <laughs> there for a year and like worked or studied under mangaka and got oh, to cool. see like the manga process so you're totally right there's like a strong manga influence throughout it it's just kind of tricky it was like there was a manga aesthetic but it also then seemed like the storytelling and world bit- building reminded me of like very western dense sci-fi novels mm. like you know leviathan's wake or you know mm. like, yeah that that type of stuff so that like it just didn't mesh super, super well. It jumped around time frame wise. Characters weren't super, super easy to distinguish. That being said, um, Behemoth Comics can make a lot of different kinds of comics. And I think that that one, like, I don't think it was poorly done on any regard, mm. but it just like, it it seemed like an illustrated novel in some way, which is sort of like the information mm. distribution was weirdly packed throughout it. And I just got yeah. burnt out about halfway through. Yeah, I thought it had some really nice touches. I liked when the kid was remembering his dad. The dad's face is scribbled out. Yeah, um, yeah, that was nice. I did see that. That was pretty cool. I th- it felt like two totally different stories, but I'll bet that they converge at some point. Yeah. And speaking of familiar characters, Roman, there's a dude near the end who I think looks a lot like the Speed Racer guy. Sure, um, that must. Oh have. yeah, he does. Like the yeah. dad from Speed Racer. <laughs> yeah. Father figure. I, I was curious. I read this final issue of Shadow War Omega. Oh yeah, and Django, that. you liked the Alpha issue. Did anyone keep up with this book? Um, did you guys like it? I kept up with whatever Geo came Force? across my my purview. Yeah, having GeoForce be the guy? bad like, guy who was the a fuck. Is that that was a weird, weird, weird choice? And like, wow, the, is that because GeoForce is the bad guy in the Young Justice cartoon? <laughs> I have no idea, but basically he has he was pretending to be Deathstroke or something. I missed the bulk mm-hmm. of the issues. Oh. Um, it was just interesting what they tried to do with like the Damien, Bruce, Talia, you know, kind of triangle of relationships there. And yeah, and it felt very heavy handed, you know, like Talia was going to kill Geoforce because she had he had killed Rawls or something. And and, you know, she was about to kill him. And Damien or Bruce was like, no, stop. And Damien was like, wait, do you trust me? let me talk her down and he like talks her down but it's like this very kind of unbelievable moment like talia is like hardened like it doesn't feel like she would have been talked down in this like weird sobbing moment of weakness like again josh williamson the story beats were good the all of the interactions felt false yeah i didn't have a hard time with any of it like somehow i made it through 250 pages of this issue or so well maybe maybe it's 48 pages but i read every word of the whole thing and it drew me through it's it's a wordy comic and it's characters that i don't care about for about a third of it and i don't know man i so, something about this storyline grabbed me and i dug it I, th- I think it's the it was the mystery part you know like who who killed ross agul that was that was the central mystery and also, Turns out it was a real disappointing character. Yeah, what is Geoforce from, Roman? Is he from like... He's from the original Batman and the Outsiders. He was introduced in that series. Mm-hmm. series. Okay. He's, he's, I guess nowadays, he would be most famous. Other than being on Young Justice Season 3, he turns evil. Um, but other than that, in comics, he's most remembered because he's Tara Markov's older brother. 
Terra that betrayed the Titans. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But okay, so she's he's Destro's son. <clears throat> no, no, because no, Terra, right, right, sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah, she's not really. Terra was the girl that was humping yeah. him. Yeah. Um, it just this is the type of inconsistency in a Josh Williamson thing. So this happens over the course of a page, and I'm just gonna read some dialogue for you guys. This is between Damien and Bruce. Damien, I was worried after all I've done, you wouldn't want me back. Damien, yes, father. I I remember a time when I used to kneel to your level and we'd see each other eye to eye. But now I often forget how much you've grown since we first met. Change like that can be hard for me, but I'm proud of you, son. Of the man you are becoming, you will always have a place by my side. And Damien's response is, I know, father. But no, Damien, because your first line of dialogue was, I was worried after all I've done, you wouldn't want me back. So you don't know, like, it's, it's yeah. like, it's like, you know, he understands the blocks. Like, yes, there's been this fissure yeah. and they need to get reconciled. And this is a good excuse to, like, he builds things well, but then the way that he justifies it using dialogue and character interaction is just like, dude, that is not good. It is cringy and not good. Like, you're just, ah. Ah! yeah it's disappointing that he's got so much dick to swing in the dc universe right now and i don't know who i would give it to who they already have on on payroll already but i don't know that he's the best choice i just think that he belongs in like a a a abnet and lanning type relationship Mm -hmm. i just think he belongs in like a two people like i think his ideas are good and his blocks are good i think he just needs to be working with someone where he's tossing ideas back and forth and they're refining it a little bit more you make the maze i'll make the traps yeah yeah exactly like it's just not anyway it's a it's an interesting interesting weird spot dc is in i think they're doing great stuff with their fringe characters but their mainstream stuff they're giving to people who aren't doing the fringe things because they're too busy doing the fringe things. Like mm-hmm. I think Tom King or Tom Taylor would be great event comic writers, but I guess Tom King has done that and it doesn't probably sell that well. But um, anyway, that's, that's our show. That was comics. Any, anybody want to wrap up with just some conversation about uh, what you've been watching lately, Roman? What do you um, think about uh, Obi-Wan? I haven't I like, watched episode three yet, but feel free to oh, spoil it for me. I, I like it. Uh, it's a, he's my, he's my favorite star Wars character um him and chewy and r2 um it's a fun series like i was saying to you guys before we started recording it's it's really fun and and makes me feel like childhood joys again being able to watch (laughs) new star trek and new star wars every week and they're both really good i really liked one and two of obi-wan and it caused me to then watch train spotting one and two because i was like i could do some more (laughs) you and mcgregor right now uh jango did did you watch watch three yet no, I'm going to probably watch that tonight oh. while I work on this goddamn audit for the state. Nice. There's, there's, <clears throat> I guess this won't really spoil anything. I just feel kind of dumb because uh, there's a major Star Wars character that shows up in episode three, and it didn't occur to me that this character might show up, and it's fr- pretty freaking obvious that they would. So <laughs> I'm excited to watch it. Did you like that they showed up? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's some visual, um, associations that go with this character that i was like oh my god that's so cool it's mando cool. isn't it i i hope it's not mando but i, I there's like but no it's lando oh <laughs> uh, i hope you know i hope we see darth maul i hope that we see uh some more hayden christensen i know he's in it i hope that we see um oh who was i just gonna say um oh qui-gon jinn i know mm. that there's some doors open for him so yeah there I, there's again i think the prequels are such a rich area for stories to be explored because it was so like lambasted at the time but there's such good stuff in there as well that like wasn't explored because they explored some boring stuff jar jar binks he's not dead yet yeah maybe he'll show up i I think qui-gon will eventually show up it's yeah he almost has to the way they're telegraphing it yeah it's part of the mystery that why he can't speak to qui-gon's force ghost and everybody else in star wars gets to speak to their force ghost to their master Yeah. yeah um we have Django. a customer an ex-customer who is in stranger things oh yeah i should watch that oh. episode oh, cool. uh, matthew matthew's in that and i have a friend who's in like the fourth or fifth episode too like a, a high school friend 
Hmm. She might just be doing stunts. I don't know yet. If you want to know how to be an extra in a middle of the road television program, let us know. We yeah. we might be able we'll to hook you make up. it so you can be an extra in a show. Yeah. Um. Okay. All right, Roman. I love you. If you guys want to send us an email, we would love it. Augustus sent us another one. Will I expect you every week? Anybody else that's not sending us an email at this point. 271 if you're not doing it you're not going to be invited to our episode 300 soiree uh thank you to all the people who <laughs> sent me nice emails for my stupid COVID update when i was stuck alone in my home that was um, wonderful by the way i don't know if i've told you that oh thanks sweetheart. in front of people oh thanks. Where, where, where it counts thanks sweetheart um and uh yeah i want those emails jeff at the comicsplace.com come in and hang out with us at the shop or go to whatever shop that you shop at and support them and inevitably James Tinian, I'm sure, because it's hard not to support him or Joshua Williamson somehow right now <laughs> if you're reading comics. Um, Roman? Jeff? Do me up good. Um, I, I don't have the words. You're, you're fantastic. I love that shirt. I love the colors. It's nice to see you. It's nice it's to see an, you too, Jeff. It's an audio medium, Roman. <laughs> they can't see the shirt or the colors well, well, well that's because it's only for us I mean, we're not going to share that with the that's viewers just our that's little true. listeners our little Oasis. secret yeah, Oasis. Yeah. Oh, my oh. bummer my bummer and me oh um okay cool well we're clearly just spinning our wheels now so thanks for hanging out with us everybody i am always i'm jeff i am roman i'm django and i've been thinking